This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements, helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by Allstate, American General, John Hancock, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, there are approximately 25 million veterans in the United States from all the wars and all the branches of service, and veterans are at a heightened risk of developing mesothelioma or other fatal asbestos diseases as a result of asbestos exposure. In fact, veterans comprise 30% of all known mesothelioma deaths that have occurred in this country. Well, today on Ringler Radio, we'll take a look at asbestos litigation involving veterans, explore asbestos exposure with the emphasis on mesothelioma and other asbestos-related diseases. And joining me today as my co-host is my friend and Ringler colleague, Manny Valdez, from the Ringler offices in Los Angeles, San Diego, and Las Vegas. Manny's been a certified structured settlement consultant for 34 years. His expertise is well acknowledged across the west part of the country, and he's worked with clients and attorneys in a variety of cases. And uh, he's also a veteran, having served in the U.S. Army and having been honorably discharged. Manny, that's quite a quite a record, quite a Quite a bio for yourself. Uh, welcome to Ringler Radio. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate it very much. Terrific. Well, our special guest today is attorney Steve Kazin, founding senior and managing principal of the firm Kazin, McLean, Satterley, and Greenwood in Oakland, California. Steve has played a significant role in asbestos litigation for over four decades. He's filed his first case on behalf of an asbestos victim in 1974 and since then has represented thousands of injured workers and their family members in various court cases. So, Steve, welcome to the show. Great to have you here on Ringler Radio. Uh, thanks. I'm delighted to be with you guys. Terrific. Well, Steve, you've been working with asbestos victims since 1974. Talk to us about the dangers of asbestos and the impact it's had on, on veterans. Give us a little overview. Well, in general, asbestos is something that... Uh, it contains a lot of little fibers that get in the air. People breathe them, and uh, after 20, 30 years, uh, can develop a variety of very serious diseases, including uh, several different kinds of cancers, the most important of which, as you mentioned, is mesothelioma, uh, which uh, has o only asbestos as a known cause. Uh, it also can cause things like lung cancer and other kinds of cancers. So it's a very serious problem. It's a problem uh, that's been known for the last hundred years, the dangers of asbestos. And since the 1930s, uh, doctors have known that it causes a variety of cancers. And, uh, and so it's, it's been something that has been a, a major problem in industrial society, particularly in the United States, uh, ever since. And it's a, a real problem for veterans, of course, uh, because they tend to have a, a lot of exposure, or at least they did back in the day. 
can you, uh, you know, Larry, I was going to share a little bit when I was uh, in Vietnam as a veteran and, and now here in San Diego. San Diego has probably one of the highest, and certainly California has one of the highest concentrations of the military we have here in San Diego in the Navy, uh, uh, the U.S. Marine Corps, uh, and, uh, you know, the uh, Coast Guard. We have a, a serious uh, uh, problem. Uh, we have a serious problem with homelessness. Uh, many of the homeless uh, uh, people are veterans. Uh, they are suffering, um, and I uh, see it every day as I drive into downtown. Uh, and the exposure that I can see that's related to, uh, you know, injuries based on on those diseases. Well, yeah, it, it's a it's particularly a problem in an area like yours because the primary place where veterans are exposed is in the U.S. Navy. Uh, obviously, it also affects the Army the Coast Guard as well, which is similar to the Navy in that regard. Uh, and as well, people who worked in the government shipyards on those vessels. So it's a, it's a very serious problem for anybody who has a military experience. You, you know, interestingly, and I didn't realize we were going to have this show today uh, to ask her about it, but my wife's uncle was a was a chemical engineer at the University of West Virginia years ago and created invented an asbestos based paint which the uh, United States government used and, and and bought to paint navy ships they were involved in pipes and fire it was a fire retardant type of paint um, and interestingly a lot of the folks that worked in the plant that made the the paint uh, came down with uh, lung cancer and mesothelioma and those kinds of issues. So I'm very familiar with it. It's touched touched our family, as a matter of fact. And uh, the fact that you're involved in so many of these cases, Steve, is 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 terrific. It's good that, that you're you're fighting the fight for uh, for all of us and and especially for the veterans. So in that light, what tests are needed to evaluate an asbestos related disease when when Somebody's claiming, you know, these kinds of issues. How, how do you test for that? Well, you know, you you uh, for things like lung cancer, uh, it, it's just another cause of lung cancer, and it contributes along with cigarette smoking in a very dangerous way. So it's just a question of making the diagnosis. Uh, in a way, it's the same with mesothelioma, which can occur primarily in the area of the chest, but also throughout the abdomen. And uh, the diagnosis itself can only really be made uh, by looking at tissue under the microscope. Uh, but uh, the symptoms, that, for example, in the chest that, that bring people to the doctor are things like uh, pains that don't go away, shortness of breath, uh, you know, things like that, uh, which would bring anybody to a doctor. And then the, the, uh, the next step is chest x-rays, CAT scans, looking for particular kinds of masses, uh, they don't necessarily feel any different to the patient. But that's why it's important that, uh, that particularly when a vet uh, has any of those kinds of symptoms, uh, that they get some medical attention right away. Uh, it's not that the early diagnosis is going to produce a cure. Uh, we don't cure a lot of lung cancers, and so far we, we don't really cure any mesotheliomas, uh, but they can be treated and uh, people can have a more comfortable a clinical course uh, can live longer, uh, can do better uh, the sooner they make the diagnosis. Interesting. You know, you know, uh, Steve, I've had doctors tell me that uh, 
by the time something shows up in an X-ray uh, that indicates a, a tumor growth or something like that in the lung, it's almost too late to to really do something about it. Ultimately, the the patient has a real problem. Is that what you found as well? Well, that's generally true. But you know, if you're the guy who beats it, then for you the odds are a hundred percent. So you know, it, it's important. We've had cases where they've caught a mesothelioma extraordinarily early and removed it, and the guy's done fine. We've had other cases where uh, people have lived a very long time with a disease that's usually fatal in a year or less. So if if you get 10 good years uh, from an early diagnosis, that's a lot better than dying in six months. Uh, so while it's not a cure, uh, you know, given the choice, I'd, I'd prefer it. I'm sure most folks would. Well, you know, in San Diego, being, uh, again, uh, there's a veterans hospital here. Every time that I might uh, drive by, go and see some friends, uh, there's a tremendous line, a uh, wait line. There is months and months and months of years just to get a general checkup. Uh, and that's a real problem here in San Diego and some of the higher military ar- arenas. Because, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, uh, early diagnosis, Larry, is is is, uh, is is critical, and Steve will verify that. I mean, but uh, if you can't get an appointment, then uh, you know, where's where's your opportunities to to find that uh, that disease? Well, that, the whole veterans uh, medical system is uh, a subject that you could spend a whole bunch of programs on. Uh, and it, it really is a serious problem. No no question about that, Steve. And, of course, it gets into the political realm, and uh, I know that's going to be a big debate uh, as these presidential candidates move down uh, towards November. It's it's clearly on the, on the front burner for sure. Why don't you share a story with us, if you could, uh, Steve, of, of a veteran who's who suffered from an asbestos-related disease and, and how they were compensated and, and how you dealt with that. Well, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I was uh, thinking about that. And, you know, there are two cases we did recently that sort of capture this. Um, One was uh, for a guy who uh, entered the Army just as an enlisted man, uh, came out, uh, you know, 20, 22 years later uh, as, uh, uh, you know, a chief, but uh, spent his military career running the motor pool, uh, maintaining uh, cars and trucks and so on. Uh, And so his exposure was largely... Uh, like that of any auto mechanic. Um, he developed mesothelioma. Uh, we uh, pushed his case uh, towards trial uh, and uh, were able to resolve it uh, on, on terms that I can't discuss in terms of the total recovery. Uh, and he's a really interesting guy. His name was Bud Stillman, and he published a, a book, uh, his biography about his military experience uh, which was titled He Bleeds Olive Drab, uh, and, and Bud was just a great guy. Another, uh, at the other end of the spectrum, uh, we did a case recently for a, uh, a man who uh, graduated from the Naval Academy in the late 40s, uh, was a naval adi- aviator, uh, ended up commanding uh, the entire Pacific Carrier Fleet, and retired as a rear admiral. Uh, and uh, Bill um, uh, developed mesothelioma, and, and we represented him and his family, and again, we were able to resolve uh, his case. 
And so, you know, wherever you are on the military food chain, uh, you're at risk. And there are all kinds of cases like this. You know, typically it's the guys who worked in the engine rooms, um, uh, machinist mates, boiler techs, and so on, uh, who had the most exposure. But guys in the Navy, you know, are living on a ship 24-7. It's not like going to work for 40 hours a week. The entire ship gets contaminated with the asbestos. So wherever you are, you're breathing uh, asbestos dust in the air. Uh, and and the, the skill here for us, the art, is uh, demonstrating exactly what the exposure was, whose asbestos products were involved, and then trying to hold those companies directly responsible. And, uh, you know, some cases go to trial, the, the majority of them settle, you know, the cases that do go to trial, uh, at least in our hands, tend to produce uh, very good results for our clients in terms of money. You know, in 40-plus years, we've never represented an asbestos uh, victim who did not recover money, you know. Uh, so uh, not that there's any sure thing in life, but uh, we've been very successful at getting compensation for veterans as well as uh, – Others who've had, had asbestos disease well, over the years. You know, I certainly like those odds. They so, it sounds good for the folks that at least are seeking some redress. And it's an interesting topic as well that I, I've noticed that a lot of the folks that not necessarily were right in the on the ship, but they you know those that worked on the bases or near the bases uh, also were exposed in some way. Tell us about that kind of exposure, not not the exposure of being confined on a ship. But but generally in the in the in the surrounding area. Well, sure. You know the the interesting thing, of course, is asbestos disease. As I said, comes from breathing in the fibers. You know, you don't get it through your fingers by handling the stuff. And so uh, when it gets in the air, anybody in the in the neighborhood is in a position where they can breathe some. Now, the more you breathe in, the greater your risk. But but we see cases of people uh, who have sort of neighborhood exposure. Uh, they don't have to be ones working right with it. They can be in the vicinity. Uh, they can be in an office that's been remodeled, uh, you know, and there's dust still left behind. Uh, we see a, a lot of cases of people whose family members are the ones who worked with asbestos. Uh, you know, the auto mechanic who takes dust home on his clothes or in his hair, gets it into the car. And, you know, the, the kids are exposed and, and 40 years later, uh, they're dying. Uh, there are cases where people just live downwind of, from the shipyard or a factory uh, and it just blows into their into their property, into their homes uh, and they get exposed. So uh, this is a, a very widespread problem uh, that doesn't, of course, just uh, affect veterans, but uh, it, it does affect them very seriously, and it affects their family members because, uh, you know, it, it's one thing if you're out at sea uh, for six months. It's another if you're at home ported uh, or in a shipyard for construction work and you're going home to your family. Yeah, every night bringing that uh, into the house. You're right. Manny, why don't you... Uh... Talk about the litigation. Let's talk litigation. Well, I, I think it's uh, it's uh, we need uh, firms like Steve's firms to uh, bring us all this information to bear. I think that uh, as veterans are uh, considered for um, uh, service, I mean, we all go in 
with the assumption that we're going to contribute and uh, you know come back hopefully and and uh, you know live a you know a reasonable and comfortable life here in in, in our country. Unfortunately, as Steve was talking, you know my father was also a veteran, and he worked at Camp Pendleton for uh, 50 years, and he worked in the warehouses. And uh, again, as he's talking, uh, my father died from lung cancer. And I just didn't even think about it, to be honest with you, Steve. I just thought it because he was older. Uh, he was in his late 70s, and uh, also he was a smoker, but I'm sure that didn't help. I'm sure it didn't. Um, you know, being in, in Camp Pendleton as a warehouseman, he was always in the warehouses moving moving equipment, moving, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, supplies, you might say, uh, uh, with uh, forklifts and uh, being uh, in a confined area for, I mean, 53 years in a sense, you know. So, um, wow, it's just kind of eye-opening. But that's not a surprising story to you, Steve. I'm sure you've heard stories like that from a lot of folks that uh, worked in those kinds of environments that uh, developed uh, lung cancer and maybe didn't realize the uh, the implication of, uh, let's say, cigarette smoking uh, exacerbated by the asbestos. And a lot of those folks, I think, were working a little bit in the dark on those issues, weren't they? Well, they really were, and that's because they weren't getting warned by anybody who made and sold this stuff. Uh, you know, and, and the combination of cigarette smoking and uh, asbestos exposure is uh, particularly dangerous because they 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 don't only add up as as factors; they actually multiply each other. So, you know, if if a smoker is at a ten times normal risk of lung cancer, and a guy working around asbestos is, is at a five times normal risk. Uh, you do both, you're now at a 50 times or 90 time risk. And so it's a very serious problem. Uh, and, uh, you know, people were exposed and they didn't know it. Uh, and even if they knew it, they didn't know of the dangers because nobody was telling them until uh, really uh, the 1970s. And so you have generations of people uh, who were exposed unknowingly uh, and and would never think of it. Uh, you know, they they uh, get sick 40 years later, and it, you know, they may not remember that summer job uh, or uh, the brief exposure. Well, it's kind of like Manny said. You know, he 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 thought back after you spoke and said, "Boy, my my dad, I didn't I didn't realize the connection maybe between working in Camp Pendleton's uh, warehouse and the smoking, and then it was it, it, it's kind of a revelation that comes." Uh, upon learning about the knowledge about what asbestos can do and how it can interact. And he was also in the Navy as himself in uh, World War II. So, I mean, it's uh, quite a combination now that I've been, you know, uh, listening to Steve. No, no question about that. Let's take a quick break right now and be back in a minute with our special guest, Steve Kazin, and our co-host, Manny Valdez. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates, the leader in the structured settlements profession nationwide. Did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler Associates works with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. There's a Ringler Associate in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experience than a Ringler Associate. Check out our new website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for claimants, legal professionals, and claims personnel, and 
to find the Ringler Associate nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best financial plan. You can count on Ringler Associates to structure a customized plan that meets the needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn more. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm joined by my co-host, Manny Valdez, and our special guest, Attorney Stephen Kazin, founding senior and managing principal of the firm Kazin, McLean, Slatterly, and Greenwood in Oakland, California. Steve, i got to be honest with you. That's that's really interesting. Though. I mean, all that, that counting of information, I mean, and, and quite honestly, you know, most of the people that I knew that were in the military, I, I was in Vietnam in 68, 69. Um, you know, most of us were uh, just young kids, um, and uh, we were all typically from the poor side of the, of the income of the families, and uh, either draftees or RAs. But, uh, I mean, we weren't even thinking about exposure to anything. We just got to get a job done. And and so now you come back and you don't even get educated. I mean, you don't even have an opportunity to seek, uh, you know, any kind of service, you know, assistance. Then it becomes uh, really uh, difficult to really get it, you know. You know something, Steve? Uh, as Manny said, in, 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 the, the experience of the Vietnam vets, uh, I know, is uh, probably more significant than a lot of others because there really wasn't a lot of knowledge back then. But in recent years... Our troops have been coming back from uh, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And how have you seen the exposure that those vets have had versus the Vietnam vets? What kind of differences have you seen in in, in the uh, exposure rates to things like mesothelioma? Well, you know, it's interesting The uh, because it takes mesothelioma uh, minimum 20, 25 years usually and often as long as 40 or 50 years from the first exposure until there's a disease that can be diagnosed. Uh, obviously, we're not yet seeing any disease from uh, Iraq uh, or Afghanistan. Um, we are now sort of at the peak of the time period for Vietnam because that's you know 50 years ago. And uh, in fact, the you know the uh, the guys whose cases I mentioned, uh, you know, Bud served in Vietnam. Uh, uh, Bill ran the evacuation uh, through, you know, Carrier Group Seven. He was, uh, you know, offshore and involved in in all of that stuff. Um, and those guys were at peak exposure because the Navy ships back then were all full of asbestos. I mean, a lot of them were World War II vintage, uh, and very few were brand new. And the Navy was still using asbestos in ship construction uh, into the 70s. Now, the ships today are less full of asbestos than they were back then. Uh, newer ships are generally built mostly without it, uh, and and the uh, attention to the health and safety issues are greater in the shipyards now than they were back then. So hopefully we won't have nearly as much asbestos disease develop over the next 20 or 30 years from the guys who served uh, in um, Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, but we're going to still see some because there are still guys, uh, you know, working in the motor pools. There's a lot of uh, debris that was created there, some of which contained asbestos, and um, 
you know, in Vietnam, guys were, were living in Quonset huts that had asbestos cement uh, uh, built into them. Now it, it appears from what I see on TV that uh, the, the living arrangements are a little safer, uh, at least with respect to asbestos. Uh, so hopefully we're not going to be seeing nearly the volume of disease uh, from these events as we've done in the past from Korea. A lot of Steve, a lot of the reduction in in disease that you you're anticipating uh, has to do with you know the scientific evidence that has been uh, shown over the years, the corrections in in certain building materials, and the and, and the realization of of what asbestos can do to the human body. And and in addition to the science, a lot of a lot of the changes result as as a result of litigation that that you've helped to champion in this area. So tell us a little bit about mesothelioma settlements. Uh, tell us about the amounts of the settlements and uh, compensation for victims and their families. And also, if you could, touch on whether structured settlements have played a role in uh, any of the settlements you've been involved in. Well, um, you know, structured settlements uh, are are often potentially very useful. Um, the thing I like about them is uh, particularly – uh, it, it helps you make sure that nobody can screw up more than a month at a time. Right. Uh, you know, and, and that can often, often be an issue because, um, you know, if, if the client is someone who has had a sophisticated business career and deals with money all the time, uh, that's one thing. But, uh, you know, a lot of our clients are just sort of normal folks who've, um, mm-hmm. who've never had large sums of money involved. And, and when somebody gets a lot of money, it, it, brings friends and relatives out of the woodwork. Uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of new so, advisors show up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in, in terms of amounts, you know, in, in our office, we never publish or publicize the amount of settlements. Those are confidential. And, you know, we tell every defendant, you know, you settle with us. No one will know what you paid. You go to trial with us. We've never had a confidential jury verdict and everybody's going to know you know, what you got hit for. Um, but in, in general, uh, settlements for mesothelioma cases, uh, uh, depend on a lot of factors, but at a minimum, uh, in our hands, they're seven figure cases. Um, you know, uh, some, uh, are, you know, over $10 million. Uh, but that, you know, that's not, the usual. I mean, a lot of factors go into the value, uh, not the least of which is age and earning capacity. Uh, you know, family members, uh, cases where uh, there's a spouse, uh, a higher value than if, if there's no spouse. Uh, having children also helps no matter how old they are. So, Steve, as we wrap this up, what advice do you have for, for our listeners about what the next steps ought to be and, and, and things mentioned about the lawyers that, that they should be uh, encountering to, to try to help them fight the battle to get uh, justice for what's happened to them uh, from an asbestos-related disease. Uh, you know, but one of the things that, that we tell people is that, uh, and I, I may be getting ahead of where you want to go, but um, a great deal depends on who the lawyer is. Um, just like anything else in, in life, um, you know, skill can make a difference. And uh, for folks faced with this disease, the medical issues are, of course, paramount importance. 
but the legal issues are, are also very important uh, because who you hire uh, in a case like this, we tell people, is the single most important financial decision they will ever make in their lives. Uh, people should understand that um, mesothelioma cases not only are worth a great deal of, of money for a family that wants to build security, uh, but they're also worth money to lawyers. And as a result, uh, if you go to Google and search uh, for the, anything relating to mesothelioma, you're going to see all kinds of ads. They're the most expensive ads on the Internet. Uh, when you turn on the TV, you're going to see lots of commercials uh, for lawyers uh, on mesothelioma. What people need to understand is that most of those TV ads are from guys who are really just brokers. They're not really lawyers who are going to handle the case, but they're going to sell it to uh, to lawyers who do the work. So people who are in need of representation need to be very careful and, and look into uh, who the lawyers are. Now, obviously, we think that we're terrific, uh, and we're always glad to talk to people about their legal needs. Uh, sometimes we're not the right firm and we'll make sure they get to where they should go. Um, but, you know, we think we do a really good job and better than, than anybody else. Uh, and on our website, we have some articles that explain how you go about hiring a lawyer, the questions to ask and the things to consider. Uh, and uh, so we would invite people to take a look um, and let us know if they have any questions. Uh, we're we free advice and uh, glad to talk to folks, particularly veterans. Well, that sounds like great advice, Steve, and uh, I want to thank you for that. And if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, get in touch with you, talk talk to you, and maybe look into some of that research that you mentioned on your website, how would they go about contacting you? Well, our website is uh, pretty available. It's uh, kazanlaw.com, K-A-Z-A-N. Uh, and um, you can, uh, it's easy to contact us through that. You can uh, just uh, click on it, and, and one of our staff will, will talk to you uh, online right then. Um, you can call us. Uh, you can uh, just send a quick email, and we'll respond. I have We have a staff standing by to assist uh, folks who need advice. Terrific. And Manny, if someone wanted to talk to you, how would they do that? Yeah, we have, of course, our uh, Ringler uh, uh, website, uh, national website, that you could look us up. Uh, and we have an 800 line at 877-231-3334. So uh, either way, appreciate it. Terrific. And uh, I want to tell our audience that if you want to reach any Ringler associate, you can go to our website, ringlerassociates.com. It's got a lot of tremendous information uh, about a lot of different subjects, and of course, you can find all the Ringler Associates uh, all over the country on that website. And of course, you could also find the Ringler Radio shows, the many, many, many shows we've done, like this one. You can find them on RinglerAssociates.com, RinglerRadio.com, LegalTalkNetwork.com, or on iTunes, where you can download the uh, the show and listen to it at your leisure as you learn more about subjects as important as the one we've discussed today about mesothelioma and asbestos. And with that, uh, I'd like to thank Steve, uh, Steve Kazin. I'd like to thank you very much for uh, being a guest. You were terrific. Well, thank you, Larry. It's been my pleasure and nice to meet you and Manny. And Manny, thank you for being a great co-host. Well, I appreciate it, Larry, again. Thank you, uh, Steve, for uh, bringing us all up to date. Appreciate it. Terrific. And for all of you out there, go have a great day. Bye-bye.
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. With over a million listeners, Ringler Associates, the first name in structured settlements. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.